In this programme, Professor Edward Valance of the University of Roehampton, an authority on the British Civil Wars, discusses the life of John Wildman, one of the group of radical levellers who argued for democratic, republican government in the Putney debates of 1647. Much of the debates centred on the Agreement of the People, a proposed constitution drafted by Wildman, which called for universal male suffrage, equality before the law, biennial parliaments and parliamentary sovereignty over the king. This draft was endorsed by the agitators, representatives of each regiment elected to confer with senior officers and parliament over the army's grievances. This brought them and Wildman and other levellers into direct conflict with the army grandees, including Oliver Cromwell and Henry Ireton. The scene was set for the airing of the deep divisions that would irrevocably fragment the new model army and would lead to the ultimate failure of the debates to satisfy either side. Our information about John Wildman's early life remains limited. At the time of the debates, he was 24 years old. He was probably not of gentry status, though he may have studied at Cambridge University. He had some legal training, indicated by his use of the pseudonym John Lawmind, and was acting as a solicitor in the later 1640s. John Wildman was the most prominent civilian spokesman at the Putney debates. However, the degree to which he was a civilian is uncertain. He may have been a soldier in the Army of the Eastern Association. A John Wildman is listed as a messenger in Captain Moody's troop in Huntingdonshire in 1645. He was also referred to as Major John Wildman, although not usually until after the Putney debates, and he may have held this rank in Fairfax's lifeguard. It may have been a combination of this legal training, army connections and links to radical networks in the city which explain why Wildman, along with Maximilian Petty, was invited to attend meetings at the army headquarters at Reading in July 1647 to discuss the draft peace terms that would eventually become the heads of proposals. In September, the army would recommend his appointment as governor of Brownsea and Poole. Although he did not take up this post, it was an indication of Wildman's growing acceptance in army circles. By the autumn of 1647, at least in his own account at Putney, Wildman was acting as a councillor and spokesperson for the new agents, the unofficial agitators who had emerged in the five cavalry regiments and put their names to the case of the army truly stated, the document which initiated the debates. Historians now think this document was authored primarily by the agitators themselves, perhaps with Edward Sexby as lead author. Wildman has, however, been identified as the most likely author of the other key texts discussed at Putney, an agreement of the people. Certainly, Wildman was the most vocal advocate for the agreement at the debates, arguing forcefully that it could be considered irrespective of earlier agreements, supporting manhood suffrage and urging the reduction of the powers of both king and lords. Indeed, Wildman's own political views may have leaned towards republicanism, he has been identified as the author of another pamphlet published around the time of the debates, A Call to All the Soldiers of the Army, received by the bookseller George Thomason on the 28th of October 1647, which called Charles I a man of blood, and stated that the king thirsteth for your, meaning the soldier's, blood. At Putney, Wildman had questioned the wisdom of reaching an agreement with the king in such a way as he may be in capacity to destroy the people. Wildman was also an associate of the MP Henry Martin, 
as indicated by a cipher key produced by Martin, which placed Wildman within a radical grouping of distinctly Republican sympathies. Recent research has shown that prior to Putney, Wildman had had little contact with the figure most often associated with the Leveller movement, John Lilburn. The Putney debates both created the label of Leveller as a term of abuse, as well as leading to the alliance between Wildman and Lilburn. By late 1647, Lilburn and Wildman were collaborating on campaigns against the grandees, and in December, Wildman pseudonymously published his pamphlet, Putney Projects, which attempted to lay bare the distance between the army leadership's public pronouncements and its actions. By January 1648, the pair were organising a petitioning campaign, which at least ostensibly sought to secure a peace settlement through a public dialogue over political reform. Reports of a meeting to discuss this campaign, however, were sent to the House of Lords. These suggested that the campaign had much more nefarious motives, of seeking to assassinate Cromwell and overthrow the parliamentarian leadership in the Commons and Lords. Wildman and Lilburn were summoned to Parliament to answer these accusations. Both men denied the allegations, but were imprisoned on charges of sedition. They would remain in prison until August. The end of the Second Civil War, however, revived the idea of an agreement of the people as a basis for settlement. Hostility to the king and other leading royalists had increased, while many within the army had given up on the idea of negotiating with Charles and were enraged when Parliament reopened negotiations with him. The agreement appeared to offer a path to political settlement that took the king out of the equation. In late November 1648, it was agreed that Lilburn and Wildman would join a committee that would include representatives from the army, Parliament and the city to draft a new version of the agreement. This committee would continue to meet throughout December and developed a new agreement of the people. The draft was discussed at what are now known as the Whitehall Debates, beginning on the 14th of December and attended by soldiers of all ranks as well as civilian representatives. Lilburn was unhappy at this manner of proceeding, believing that the text agreed by the committee should instead of immediately have been circulated for public subscription. Wildman, however, continued to participate, taking part in the committee that was tasked with reaching agreement on the question of religious toleration. These discussions would ultimately result in what is now known as the Officers' Agreement. This version of the agreement would be presented to Parliament for its approval on the 20th of January 1649. Lilburn claimed that the discussions over the agreement had been a mere distraction to keep city radicals busy while the grandees got on with their main task of preparing for the trial and execution of the king. More recent scholarship has viewed the officers' agreement as a more genuine attempt at settlement, a compromised version of the leveller's political vision which would nonetheless have initiated a radical transformation of England's constitution. As it was, this version of the agreement was still influential. Its clauses on religious freedom were borrowed almost verbatim by the protectoral constitution, the instrument of government. The different decisions Lilburn and Wildman made regarding participating in these debates ended their political collaboration in the short term. Wildman also responded very differently to the political revolution that followed shortly afterwards, the regicide and the establishment of a republican commonwealth. While Lilburn and his fellow levellers, Richard Overton and William Wallen, became active and vocal critics of the new regime, Wildman worked with the English Commonwealth. Although details again remain uncertain, Wildman appears to have been serving as an officer in the Commonwealth's army by August 1650. Wildman also spent this time in commercial activities, speculating in land and acquiring considerable wealth in the process. 
His attitude to the Cromwellian protectorate, however, seems to have been very different from his largely cooperative approach to the Commonwealth. He was involved in assassination plots against the Lord Protector, including conspiracies with royalists as well as his old leveller associates. These links with royalists were initially helpful to Wildman when Charles II was restored in 1660. However, in 1661, Wildman was accused of being involved in republican plotting and was imprisoned. Incarcerated in a number of jails, Wildman was eventually released in 1667, probably on the intervention of the Duke of Buckingham, one of his old co-conspirators from the interregnum years. Wildman's seditious activity continued into the 1680s, and he was on the fringes of what became known as the Rye House Plot of 1683, an attempt to assassinate Charles II and his brother James on their return from racing at Newmarket. However, the lack of evidence against Wildman meant that after a spell in the tower, he was released from prison in early 1684. Wildman was much more clearly implicated in the next serious threat to the Stuart monarchy, the rebellion of Charles II's illegitimate son, the Duke of Monmouth. Orders for his arrest were made in July 1685, but Wildman was able to escape to the continent, living for the next few years in the Netherlands. He was part of the group of English and Scottish political exiles who joined William of Orange's invasion armada. Following the revolution of 1688, Wildman became Member of Parliament for Wooden Bassett. In April 1689, he was made Postmaster General, but was dismissed from his post in 1691 on reports that he was using his office to engage in a smear campaign against Tory politicians. He clearly nonetheless remained in favour with the new regime, being knighted by William III in October 1692. Wildman died the following year, aged 72. John Wildman's remains one of the most remarkable 17th century lives, spanning two revolutions and a bewildering range of political alliances. He remains a deeply elusive figure, a fact that probably helps explain his longevity in comparison to some of his radical peers. As much as Wildman was an inveterate plotter, he seems to have had a knack for covering his tracks and avoiding trouble. His many alliances with levellers, royalists and Whigs have also made it hard for historians to identify a consistent political philosophy guiding his actions. The difficulty perhaps lies in his very originality. The idea of the agreement was distinct from any other proposals for constitutional settlement and did not fit neatly into either mainstream parliamentarian or classical republican categories. Today, we still don't quite know what label to pin on John Wildman. In an accompanying programme, Professor Valence discusses how the Radicals' call for a modern constitution, including universal male suffrage and an end to the supremacy of the monarchy, failed to win the support of Oliver Cromwell and his fellow grandees, splitting the new model army into factions and causing the deep divisions that would eventually spell the end of Britain's short-lived experiment with Republican government. Listen to this programme on our website, worldturnedupsidedown.co.uk, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also download short biographies of other key players in the Putney debates of 1647, including Thomas Rainsborough, Oliver Cromwell, Edward Sexby and Henry Ireton. Music